tours in the south coast district this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by timothy ferguson tours in the south coast district section 1 underneath the southern cross broad the fallows lie throned and decked the crop-clad hills prop the speckless sky underneath the fragrant gums trails the laden wain here is room for all o come and never leave again introduction if there is any part of queensland on which nature's generous hand benign and benedictory seems specially to have been laid in bounteous blessing that part lies nestled between the enfolding arms of the stately brisbane which is its northernmost boundary and the laughing tweed on the south an experience of unique enjoyment awaits those who leaving the rush and roar of the city take the train through this beautiful district with its manifold charms of panoramic scenery reaching to the ivory sands of the mighty pacific at tweed heads through entrancing expanses and by farm-dotted hills the railway winds by fields spread out in indescribable beauty mosaic with green and gold like squares on a weaver's loom and where in tribute to man's industry the flowing robe of prosperity enfolds the land there is a sensation of exquisite delight as the train sweeps through picturesque open suburbs where glimpses of the brisbane river winding its silvery way to the sea add peculiar charm to the almost frowning background of the distant hills and to the level woodlands in the park-like foreground readers note this page contains a photograph with a caption the caption reads and here the land is full of hints of distant dear voluptuous charms readers note ends but all this is but the opening scene of the endless panorama that follows and soon the untainted air balsamic and like some rich rare wine exalts the brain and causes the blood to exult as it courses through the veins beyond the pretty suburban area the train sweeps through picturesque pastulands devoted to dairying the sleek kine barely pause in their lush browsing to notice the passing iron stallion in its rapid course here and there a white farmhouse gleams through the timber the curling smoke from its chimney making a blue spiral lazily mounting in the calm pastoral air as the immortal ettrick shepherd says the reek of the cot hung over the plain like a little wee cloud in the world it's lain presently is passed a long stretch of virgin country enfolded in scrub and bearing tall timber on the flats giving pleasing variety to the outlook and suggestions of settlement yet to be readers note this page contains two photographs with captions the captions read o'er oh, barley field and crop-clad crest and leagues of gardens flushed with fruit and fenced round by cedars and tangled growths of blackwood readers note ends to those acquainted with the extent to which hereabout primary industries exist in flourishing prosperity much if not most of the land stretching away on each side of the line may appear to be in idle occupation of scrub and forest not so however all this country is a goodly heritage and hidden in the shroud of distance are flourishing dairy farms 
poultry farms, and busy agriculture. For not without fidelity to the primal law of industry do groups of sturdy yeomen assemble at Sylvian wayside stations to take delivery of their cream cans, which, at some cooperative central factory, have been emptied of their valuable contents, making a rich the farmer and piling up the opulent gains of the railway commissioner. And to the observant eye, these primary producers proclaim their own achievements and their material reward by nature's largesse, which not only in this richly endowed stretch, but indeed throughout the whole of the agricultural districts of Queensland, is lavishly poured out on those who industriously and thriftily deserve it. Readers know to this page contains two photographs. Their captions read as follows. Grim Lamington, thy shaven crest, still lures man on his relentless quest. And soon to be dotted with the homes of yeomen from old Albion's combs. Readers note ends. When Bethania Junction is reached, whence the line by Furcates, the branch going into the magnificent district where the Logan River waters fields flowing with milk and honey, the line to Southport and Tweed Heads sweeps southward as if in eager anticipation of the allurements on the way and of the beauteous panorama at the end. Beanley is the centre of the rich agricultural and dairying industry, which has converted the once silent stretches of rich scrub and forest land into a succession of smiling farms of which Devonshire or Sussex might be envious. For the axe has cleared the mountain, croup and crest. That fierce fellow fire has been employed to level the stubborn scrub, and far and wide and beyond the rim of the purple horizon, busy man has presented draughts on nature's forces which have been freely and fully honoured. From the cane-bedecked crests of the surrounding hills, to their sorghum and loosen-covered feet, and from the undulating expanses between, comes wealth worthily won by family cooperation on the farm from the teeming soil. Not by its rural calm on ordinary days, when stout Suffolk-lineaged horses, followed by equally stout hearts and limbs, are turning over the fallow flats or scarring the slope sides with fragrant-scented furrows, not when the sugar-cane is rustling and the green fields are growing for harvest-time and mowing, but when the farmers' wains and wagons, groaning and creaking beneath their loads of mellow produce, stream into the streets, must Beanley be visited for a proper appreciation of its vitality and importance. Readers note this page contains one photograph with caption. The caption is... And here the month, from time to time, is kissed by peace and pleasure. Readers note ends. A characteristic agricultural town is Beanley. All roads lead to Rome. All roads thereabout at Beanley, from Pimpama, where magnificent arrowroot is produced, aye, from all points they converge at Beanley. Picturesquely situated, hard on the Logan River, it is a goodly sight to see. The Logan, over which the railway passes by means of a fine bridge, is a very fine running stream, on whose banks are a succession of agricultural and dairy farms and cattle and horse breeding homesteads. Like most Queensland rivers, it takes on a meandering course amid the cleared uplands and hills decked with green and gold patches of cultivation, like bright braids and ribbons on a bonny lassie's head. Readers note, this page contains three photographs with captions. The captions are, Here lovers rest, what time the red and yellow colours mingle, and 
sweet sylvan born of tranquil calm and nor subtlest poet's pen can tell the charms that deck thy brow here and hereabout and indeed onwards so far as the tweed heads themselves german farmers have settled in large array and from their sturdy loins has sprung and continues to spring the new generation of native-born queenslanders sending strong family roots deep down into the soil and assuring permanence of patriotism for the land of their father's adoption at every station along the line is to be seen a trellised neatly built shed for the holding of cream cans brought in from prosperous surrounding farms and consigned to the nearest cooperative butter factory the extent of this splendid industry is to be noted from the large numbers of cans at every station the more important of these butter factories are at positions convenient to the railway over which the product must pass before reaching its market and are thoroughly up-to-date establishments any tourist in search of information on the dairying industry of queensland may obtain a rare store by making a visit to these factories all of which are within easy reach of brisbane readers note this page contains two photographs with the following captions where the spirit of peace abides and restless as the ever ebbing hopes of man readers note ends tweed heads neath the purple headlands heights sings the great south main all the winds that woo the tweed call the ploughing rain spring has found the wattle grove that scents both land and sea through the fragrant eucalypts the tweed calls come to me nestled amid a land of coquetting hills which are the final ramparts of the purple ranges of the macpherson and wooed by the sapphire waters of the great south main is the prosperous but rapidly growing marine pleasure resort known as the tweed heads here queensland's vast territory has its southernmost limit and just as cape york is bathed in the molten glow of the tropic night tweed heads is veiled like a bride in a shimmer of dewy morning beauty readers note this page has three captions they are the tweed calls come to me such as creation's dawn beheld thou rollest now and beyond the silver marge of the sea the next page consists of four photographs and their captions the captions are low where the fragrant fronded fern scents day with joyance deep roll on thou deep and dark blue ocean ten thousand fleets sweep over thee in vain here where the world is quiet here where all trouble seems spent waves and dead winds riot in doubtful dreams of dreams and the seaweed is wreathed in wild tresses the breakers dash up white as snow readers note ends this is the baritz of australia midway between the snowy pole of far kosciuszko and the fervent tropic zone of rockhampton perpetually shielded by the rampant ranges from the piercing west winds and their biting fangs and tempered by the soft silken sea breezes tweed heads stands unrivalled as a pleasure and health resort as though in frantic desire to kiss the feet of the esplanade the romping breakers batter at the river bar showing their gleaming white teeth and chanting the song that none can interpret beyond the tiny waves sun-spangled chase each other across the playground of the immeasurable main laughing as in joy 
at their approach to the ivory sands. Often when the vapours fill the silent autumn lees, dreaming memories fall like moonlight over silver sleeping seas. But mount on Observation Hill, which is one of the heads, whose foot is in the lap of the town, and look around. Beneath, the little harbour, protected by two immense walls of breakwater, projected for keeping the tweed's mouth open, lies placidly dreaming. To the south, extending like a silver braid into the golden distance of emerald-clad undulations, stretches the tweed. Readers note, this page has two photographs with one caption. The caption is, Clad in the joyance of day and night. Readers note ends. And here it winds safe to see. As it wends, it passes under Spion Cop, an elevation of commanding view. Far as the eye can roam, the surf-beaten shore, gleaming and foam-decked, stretches and fades into the far immensity. To the north, on a beach that reaches in dazzling whiteness to Corumban, aye, and even to Cape York itself, the glittering combers ceaselessly roll. Is there any other part of the ocean's water like unto this? Pellucid as ever rarest emerald could be, making for itself natural resting places, great sand-paved bathing places, where a child is secure from its outer turbulence. It lures as with the love of the genie that dwell in its sapphire depths beyond. Mark the happy rompers, revelling in its glorious freshness, wantoning with its breakers, surging with its playful surf, drawing health and renewed vigour from its elements. From the still more commanding heights of Spiancop, which is opposite Observation Hill, an even more extensive and enchanting view charms the eye. From here the course of the Tweed may be traced for many miles around. The far-stretching fields, meadows and pasture-lands along the river-banks, clothed in soft blue haze, melt into one another in prismatic hues of tender green, and behind the majestic frown of the looming ranges is softened by the shrouding veil of delicate blue, so characteristic of Australian mountain scenery. Who could resist the allurements of this spot? Is it not inevitable that all who have been here become its worshippers? But even the material wants of man must not be despised or overlooked. The hotel accommodation is well worthy of the place, boarding establishments finer perhaps than may be seen at any other marine resort are there, and furnished cottages always are obtainable. Everything contributing to making a holiday a banquet of enjoyment awaits the tourist, and the railway department takes special pains to enable tourists to visit the place in comfort and at most liberal holiday concessions. The immediate district around Tweed Heads is devoted largely to sugar growing, while the timber industry also has flourishing existence there. But the rapid rise in the dairying industry in other places has led to a very wide adoption of that profitable line of primary enterprise in this district also. Cleveland. Sometimes in pageantry of fear, storm-tossed with spume and spray, but fair and calm thou dost appear, thou sun-kissed, isle-gemmed bay. The approach to Cleveland lies past Wellington Point, one of the most charming of rural districts south of the Brisbane River. Here settled a scion of an ardent old warrior, and with martial memories of the days of Britannia's glory, when his sire, Colonel Murray Pryor, fought under the Iron Duke, he named the point 
and endowed the bay adjacent with the immortal name of Waterloo. Apart from the traditional facts connected with this point, its name is most appropriate for, in confirmation, it much resembles the shape of the boot of which the hero of Waterloo was the originator. The country hereabout slopes very gently from the shaven ridge towards the waters of the bay. From points of vantage, the seascape is a fairy scene of exquisite beauty. In the distance looms Morton Island, austere and sombre in its isolation, and making bold silhouette against the sapphire skyline. Beyond the light-flecked waters of the bay, Cleveland's gleaming roofs and dark red roads lie in placid calm. At the extreme point stands the Cleveland Lighthouse, like a graceful marble column pointing its warning finger to the fickle skies, and the ruins of the old pier add picturesqueness and variety to the scene. Reader's note, on the next two pages are five photographs with the following captions. The meek-eyed kine browse here in peace, the magpie trills his note, while whispering zephyrs as they fly chant praises to the clear blue sky. Fired with the views this tranquil scene displays, and smit with passion for our country's praise. Fair scene of ever calm content, thou rural idol, clothed in deep repose. There is a rapture by the lonely shore. Give to me, quoth industry, and I shall give to thee. Reader's note ends. Not very many years have passed since considerable maritime trade was done on that pier, vessels of large tonnage being able to berth there. But the fierce southeasters, riding in concert with the waves of the open roadstead, bade the pier be gone, and it was found that pile and plank could not resist the command of the elements. On the opposite side, however, has been built a substantial successor to the old pier, and seen from Wellington Point, the new pier, with its crowds of pleasure-seekers, is an attractive addition to the panorama. Viewed from this new pier, Wellington Point is a mass of rich tinted greens. Never a tint of green ever painted by nature's unrivalled pencil, but here may be seen from the profoundest dark olive to the gayest emerald of the luxuriant camphor laurel. And amidst the rich foliage gleam lawny patches of gardens and orchards, and the winding red roads extending far towards Ormiston and the north beyond. And the bluff headline of the point lifts the eyes far away and beyond across the bay, compassing in the survey the island of St. Helena, with its austere buildings, suggestive of the discipline which seems to hold the spot aloof from the tender light that floods the scene. But, hard by, King, Green, and Mud Islands relieve the eye, and the noble stretch of Stradbroke, full seventy miles in length, with its ivory feet of gleaming white sand, seems to stand between the mainland and the turbulence of the mighty ocean beyond. Reader's note, these two pages have five photographs, the captions of which are as follows. Man marks the earth with ruin, his control stops with the shore. Thou dost arise and shake him from thee. While black with storms the ruffled ocean rolls, and to the fish's art yields up her finny shoals. As when the sea breaks o'er its bounds and overflows the level grounds, these banks and dams that like a screen did keep it out, now keep it in. Flushed with wealth where once was wilderness, and nature turns man's sweat to diamonds. Reader's note ends. Yonder cluster of buildings on Stradbroke mark the spot called Dunwich, the chief benevolent asylum of Queensland. It is an ideal spot for such an institution. 
the poor old human derelicts seeming to haven in peace from the restless storm-torn ocean of life more than a thousand of them thus are kept in comfort on the ever-shortening journey towards the ultimate requiem of prince and pauper alike beyond dunwich lies little peel island where the unhappy victims of that fearful scourge leprosy are doomed to exile their number is few yet far too many a further sweep of the bay takes in Kurrajee and Sandy Island, the whole presenting a site of superlative charm. There is one historic fact connected with Ormiston that is worthy of special record. Today the sugar industry, which is a source of enormous national wealth, extends from Cairns to the Tweed. It was at Ormiston that the first cane crop was planted by the Honourable Lewis Hope, uncle to Lord Hopeton, who was the first Governor-General of the Commonwealth. In those days, scientific methods of sugar manufacture were unknown, and anthemigus contained more sugar than could be crushed by primitive methods from its fibrous mass. The advent of West Indian planters and scientific methods altered all that, with the result that the yield per tonne of cane has been more than doubled. But in the Honourable Lewis Hope's time, the sugar produced was simply the raw product, unrefined and sticky as glue. But it was from this first early experiment that Queensland's potentialities as a sugar-growing country were demonstrated, and lo, the magnificent results. All the way from Bethania to Cleveland, from Binley to the Tweed, from Loganley to Bow Desert, flourishing crops of sugarcane may be seen, relieved by the dark russet of acres of ripening pineapples and the purple-blossoming lucerne. Throughout the whole of the Cleveland district, wide areas that once were sheep walks and cattle runs, now are devoted to agriculture, and consequently closer settlement has brought in its wake the beautifying of the landscape which so signally characterises the district. End of section one. Recording by Timothy Ferguson.